0: Welcome to the Renewing Our City podcast, equipping you to reach your world. And now your host, Matt Shaw.
1: Hey friends, you're listening to the Renewing Our City podcast, where our goal is to help you reach your world. Hey, in this episode, I had an awesome conversation with Mike Hammer. Mike's the senior pastor at Celebration Community Church in Dillsburg, Pennsylvania. It's great to see his passion for a small community, where they're making a huge impact for Jesus Christ. Guys like Mike are what this podcast is all about, to take ownership of your community and bring the message of Jesus Christ to change the world. Here's my interview with Mike Hammer. All right. Well, welcome to the show. We have uh, Mike Hammer with us today, and uh, I'm sitting across his kitchen table. I'm in Dil- Dillsburg, Pennsylvania, home of the Dill pickle. Is that right, Mike? That's right. Home That's of the right. Dill pickle. You don't, don't you have a, you know, something during New Year's time that kind of competes with the ball drop? New Year's Eve. We drop a big. Pickle, a pickle yeah. in the tuxedo, and there's yeah. a Mrs. Pickle there's now. A, yeah, and there's and there's probably some little little pickles running around too. <laughs> Kristen, <laughs> Kristen, and I went to that a couple years ago. But okay, I'm super pumped to be here with you today. Mike mm-hmm. is a pastor at. Um, Um, celebration community church here in Dillsburg and he actually planted the church with his family and uh, some other people but we're gonna be talking about that today as well as some of his past ministries and just answering some different questions so Mike do you want to just start out Uh, I know some about you one of the reasons I wanted to interview is just to get some more of your history and I think uh, getting a place of some of the different ministries you've done how far back you go did you grow up as a Christian uh, how how did you meet Jesus? Okay, well, I grew up Catholic,
0: um, a pretty religious family, and um, when I was about eight years old, um, my mom really uh, God began to stir a, a hunger within her, and uh, she was kind of unsettled, you know, in her church. And I mean, I was just a little kid, so I just went along to mass and all, and yeah. we went to Catholic grade school and everything like that, but. Um, she uh, she saw this poster promoting a uh, uh, crusade at the local high school, and it looked interesting, and so we went. and It was a family of singers, and uh, they sang these contemporary songs about God, and they were raising their hands, and that freaked us out big yeah, time. Yeah, definitely. You know, come from a Catholic background where everything is just you know pretty reserved, and and uh, but so anyways, we sat there, and the. Uh, the dad of the family group got up and he, you know, he preached a sermon and came down to the end and he said, is there anyone here who wants to receive Jesus Christ, uh, as your savior, raise up your hand. And so I raised my hand, you know, when I was eight years old wow. and uh, all I knew is whatever that family had is what I wanted in my wow. life. And so I went forward, my mom, she didn't, she stayed right in her seat, but you know, I went and I got saved. I prayed the sinner's prayer and, uh, you know, my mom, when we get out to the car, she's like, Mike, what happened to you? You know, <laughs> thinking it was some kind of cult or, you know, whatever. Because if, if it's not Catholic, you know, it's it's yeah, not definitely. legit. So, well, we went back the second night and and the same thing happened. You know, that family, they were singing their songs. The, the dad preached a sermon. He came down to the end. He said, is there anyone here who wants to receive Jesus as your Savior? Raise up your hand. So for the second night in a row, I raised my hand. You went back up. <laughs> and I went forward again. My mom still stayed in her seat. And I prayed the sinner's prayer again. And then the third night we went back. We were having so much fun. It was just such a new experience for us. So we walked in, same thing. People are raising their hands. Uh, they're singing these contemporary songs about God. And and uh, that family sang their songs. The dad preached another sermon. He came down the end and he said, is there anyone here who wants to receive Jesus Christ in their heart? Slip up your hand. So for the third night in a row, <laughs> I raised my hand, <laughs> went forward. And that night my mom went with me. Wow. And so she gave her heart to Christ. And then uh, so we were really excited and the very next Sunday we found ourselves in the local Assemblies of God Church because at the altar um, where we accepted Christ, we met a pastor who was there in support of the the meetings and uh, he was the pastor of the local Assemblies of God Church and, you know, he just seemed like such a down home Guy instead of like a, a priest who we were kind of afraid of, yeah. And uh, so he invited us to his church. We went there the next Sunday, and and that was the beginning of the really the change in our lives. But we didn't totally make a break because you know my dad was not interested in this you know fanaticism. Yeah, we were we were excited, but he you know he wasn't too excited. So it took us a while. Five years later, my dad came to Christ. Wow. And in that five years, we'd kind of go back. To the catholic church for a couple of weeks just to keep the family happy and then we you know but slowly we made that progression and um and from that point on then you know uh, i got involved in a youth group and uh you know live for christ I, you know i i never really uh rebelled against the lord you know very much in in, in my teenage years but uh, my youth pastor always uh, really thought I there was a call of God in my life, but I, I kind of you know resisted that, and um, so I went to the University of Wisconsin for a
1: couple years. Really, uh, to be why'd a, you resist it? What what made well, you? just I, you you were like that's not for me, or I want to make money, or was there any reason, or was it just?
0: Well, I didn't have uh, like ministry background in my family, yeah. so
1: it you know
0: it was a new concept. Yeah. Thought of being a pastor or, or a minister. Um, and uh, I, I don't know, I just had some other interest. Uh, I love the outdoors. I love to fish and to hunt yeah. and, you know, be outdoors. And I thought, hey, I need to find a job that I can get paid to do that. So that's why I went to University of Wisconsin for two years to do the natural resources
1: program, which, oh, cool.
0: you know, would have been a forest ranger that's kind of what I wanted yeah, to be
1: secluded now you're around people all the time
0: <laughs> well and that's the thing and and so my first year there uh, I was in the dorm at the University of Wisconsin and I was a Christian and I was outspoken I you know and guys were starting to come to my room dorm room all the time saying hey you know there's something different about you what, what's going on <laughs> or they'd face a problem and they just saw some kind of strength within me and so they would uh, just ask me all kinds of questions so in that first year I started to question well, maybe I'm not supposed to work with animals. Maybe I'm s- supposed to work with people.
1: Yeah, you're like that shepherd already bringing yeah. the flocks coming to you. You're like, yeah, I'm going to be a park ranger, and all of a sudden they're co- they're coming yeah. to you. And, and that's right.
0: And so my second year, qualities out, I changed my major to psychology, thinking, well, maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm going to be yeah. a counselor. And again, in that year, I was an RA, so you know, I had a lot more guys coming to my room, and um, and then I remember one uh, one day in my dorm room, uh, getting down on my knees and finally, you know, telling the Lord, hey, I'm, I'm willing to do what you want me to do. And my youth pastor had kept, whenever I'd go home on the weekends, he'd be speaking into me saying, hey, what about the ministry? What about the ministry? And so finally I got to the point where I was just like, yeah, I need to, I need to do it. So I uh, then transferred to Bible school in uh, North Central It's called North Central University now. It's North Central Bible College
1: back in the day, and uh, so is that in Minneapolis. It's in Minneapolis, Minneapolis? Mm -hmm.
0: and that's where I met my wife Connie. So, I mean, it's just like God was just really, you know, uh, just steering my life. Bible College does that to
1: people, though. You know, you just find a good wife there, and (laughs) and, uh, it's true. So, so you guys, uh, you got saved. You you met Jesus at at a crusade Mm -hmm. or at at a. Yeah. you know, uh, a revival type of retreat right. where they preached multiple times if crusade kind of, you know, not everybody might not know that term, but uh, you did that type of ministry for a while after you met right. Connie and, and her family was kind of into that type of stuff, weren't they?
0: Oh, yeah. I, tell, me, I,
1: tell, tell the audience a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, so,
0: so uh, Connie and I traveled uh, for a couple years as evangelists, singing and preaching, and uh, then... Connie's family, who were all preachers, they were all feeling some transition in their lives, and Connie and I were thinking about getting off the road and settling down, starting a family, being involved in the church. Um, But the Lord just uh, put an idea in our hearts to minister minister to the families around America. So for 13 years, we did that. We bought some RVs, we sold everything, bought some RVs, and we hit the road. And for 13 years, we went from church to church, state to state, been in almost all 50. Um, We had three children that we um, were born on the road as Connie and I started our family. And they were all born in different cities, different states, wherever we happened to be when the pain came. So it was a unique life. 13 years, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Wow. Close quarters. I mean, living in 40 feet for 13 years, we didn't have a home anywhere.
1: Would you um, want to go back to that right now with well, your grown-up girls, or
0: you know, usually Monday mornings, I lo- I want to
1: hit the road again. Yeah, I bet, I bet. <laughs> no, recovering uh, from the
0: weekend. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, you know, it was a great life, but it was a season that came to an
1: end. And so, so Dave Colon your father-in-law. Yes. And he mm-hmm. was on episode six of the podcast. Okay. So, if yeah. people want to go back, they can. Uh, listen to episode six of the Renewing Our City podcast, and uh, Dave talks a ton about that because he was in singing yeah. evangelism, mm-hmm. and he's still, you know, <clears throat> he's still on the radio. He yeah. can't, he I can't know. get away from that. And you made a transition in your life mm-hmm. out of that. Is what was next after that? Well,
0: when we were in about our eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth year on the road, the Lord started to. Um, give us a hunger to stay put to, to instead of going from church to church and praying with people at the altars, but then going to the next place, um, there was just that desire that was birthed in us to stay with people and help them, you know, get in the trenches with them. And so little by little, the Lord, you know, was speaking to both Connie and my heart about that. And so every church that we'd go to, we'd look at it and we'd say, ask ourselves, I wonder if we could pastor this church. I wonder if, you know, what, what kind of pastor would I be? Uh, well, I'd do this, or well, I wouldn't do that. You know, just really taking mental notes of, you know, if we, if we were pastors, how would we how would we do this? How do we lead a church? So the Lord started just to birth some creative ideas in our hearts and yeah. our minds. And then when we you know came down to the end of our traveling ministry, um, we uh, through a series of miracles, which involves um, you know part of your family your mother and father-in-law Dave and Laura Whitcomb um, they were people who really believed in our ministry and they uh, wanted to help us find a home base and uh, I mean I I could I could tell this story for a while yeah definitely (laughs) but uh, through their sacrifice and their really getting behind us they actually purchased some property uh, for our families we were able to um you know begin to settle down establish a home base they helped us to get into some homes and uh we you know we never thought we'd ever be in a community like dillsburg uh yeah. it's a rural community uh, we always thought you know because we had been in churches of thousands and churches of you know 50 and and we always thought we'd probably end up in some kind of metro suburban area yeah. never thinking a rural community like dillsburg but god just so clearly you know, planted us here. And so, you know, we knew that God had a special work for us here, and and we talked to the district about planting a church, and they wanted to plant another one in Dillsburg. There had been an existing church, but they wanted another one because this area was growing so much. So we felt uh, the call to do that. Um, And uh, so we started, we built a home here, began living in the community for a while before we started the church. And uh, we drive down the main street of Dillsburg, you know, every day, a couple times a day, and we started to see that uh, there was quite a few students just hanging out on the streets. Uh, we knew a, a lot of uh, business owners, and were, there was just a lot of vandalism happening. And so, you know, one day we we're we we're driving down, we thought, you know, we can do something about that. Um, and so we uh, actually saw a for rent sign on a on a storefront, and we decided. I know we're going to plant a church here in the next few months, but why don't we start meeting a need in the community right now? And so we rented this space uh, in this storefront, and we uh, bought a couple pool tables, some video games, really? some uh, big screen TV, made like a cafe, made uh, just video games, you know, just and nice cool chairs and just and we called it the Student Center and it was just really a place safe place for students to hang out you know after school and into the evening
1: is that mostly high school students or college students It was mainly high school, high school
0: and a lot of middle schoolers middle school, yeah, yeah definitely yeah they're looking for something uh, yeah do. yeah and so you know it opened so many doors for us uh, and the, I think the neat thing that really made an impression in our community was that even before we had our first church service, because you know, we planted the church, you know we were meeting a need in the community. That's awesome. And it got me in to meet the uh, city council. It, I got to pray at, at the state capitol. Wow. Uh, I uh, you know, just a bunch of other things. I got to speak at the school board meeting, which you know, I mean getting an opportunity to do that. yeah, but because we were meeting the needs of students and, and typically students that weren't involved in sports after school, these kids had a lot of time probably yeah. not a lot of tension at home, and we're bound for some trouble. So we were really meeting a need in our community. And I think that made a great impression before we even started our church, you oh, know, just awesome. to meet a need.
1: So real, let, let's back yeah. up real quick, um, and then I want to talk about that more because that's awesome work. And, and uh, let's back up a little bit to your calling of being a church planter. Mm-hmm. I know myself, like I'm a minister at a, at a local church, uh, I I pastored a real small rural church at, in mm-hmm. college and uh, trying to figure out that calling. I know for younger guys, uh, uh, guys getting out of college, guys in their first ministry looking to do something different. How would you know a call to plant a church versus going to an existing church? Well, um, what that look like? I, I what would you wrestle with? Yeah, how, th- how emotionally would that do?
0: I think when when we were beginning that transition process from being evangelist to planting a church, uh, there was a two- or three-year window where God was, you know, really saying, there's something more I want you to do. And so that's why we began to, you know, really dream, okay, if we were pastoring this church, what would we do? You know, we for sure we wouldn't do this. Uh, maybe we that's a cool idea. Let's do that. And so I think uh, God was crafting a vision in our hearts and minds that we knew that he, he wanted us to accomplish the vision he gave us versus coming under somebody else's vision. Yeah. No, that's not for everybody. Um, and if, you know, I think it took time for me to get that point where maybe I had the God confidence to step out and plant a church like that.
1: Yeah. Um, Cause I hear it's hard work. I haven't done it, but I hear it's pretty hard work. Is that, is that true?
0: It is. You, you, you pour your whole life into it. And I think one of the neat things, uh, for Connie and I is, uh, we, we've done it as a team. You know, she's been involved so much in the process. Uh, and, and even our whole family, our, our girls, we have three daughters. And, um, when we, uh, responded to the call of God to plant the church. We, at that time we had been attending a big church, a couple thousand people. They had a huge youth program, a huge children's program, and our kids were starting to get involved in that. And so when we planted the church, you know, we, we had to ask them to leave those programs yeah. and come to a church that had no youth, really no children. We didn't know how many there'd be when, you know, when you plant a church, but um, in, in that You know, that first year, you know, our oldest daughter, she was um, she was in middle school, uh, heading into high school. And so she was old enough to be one of the youth leaders of, you know, four or five kids. And but she was a youth leader. And right away, she took the mantle of leadership and she started praying and saying, God, you know, this is this is our goal as a youth. We want to have 10 people by the end of the year. And so she'd hit that goal and she didn't do it alone. We had, you know, actually some volunteer uh, adults helping, but then they set their goals for 25 students. And the next year they, they hit that goal. And so they were learning leadership along the way. And now you look at their ministries, their leaders, and because they learned, you know, how to do that early on. But I, I think that, you know, one of the benefits was our whole family. We were all in, we were all in. Um, I didn't have uh, my wife didn't have a a second job where, you know, she couldn't devote the time or energy into building this. We did it together. Uh, We shared it. The decisions were shared. You know, it was just such a team.
1: I think that's awesome because I've been around some pastors and it seems like their wife isn't is isn't as called or their family Mm -hmm. doesn't seem like they are in love with ministry as much as their dad is. And that's really difficult, Mm -hmm. you know, for families, uh, even of ministers. Um, you know, breaking up or just struggling, but it's pretty cool with you guys how you guys did that together. And I mean, is that for? Would you recommend that? Hey, hey, uh, your wife needs to be on board as much as you are, or is this that's my experience? Your your experience? Yeah.
0: Well, you know, I I observed the same thing that you did. Yeah. You know, when we traveled for thirteen years, we had been in over a thousand churches in those years, and we got to see all kinds of dynamics between pastors and their their wives and families and staff people and and we often felt like there was that same kind of disconnect that um there wasn't that um and that, that might be more of an old school model mm-hmm. where you know you want to distance yourself from the people kind of you know cuz you can get hurt you can get burned you can you know and so the, maybe there's that callousness And that's kind of a maybe a generalization there, but we right away we knew we didn't want to be that kind. We wanted to um, really open up our our arms to people, and we're very authentic people, anyways. You know, we we aren't afraid to be vulnerable and share our weaknesses, and I think it just allowed us to um, you know be real touchable. We always have people in our home. I mean, some pastors would never have church people at their home because you know for whatever reason but we've had bonfires here on friday night with 150 people you know traipsing in and out of our house and you know uh just in our backyard and everywhere and you know that hasn't been a problem for us we just we're relational people so um
1: we're kind of in the people business so you better like them it's like you don't like love people yeah Yeah. why do you want them to follow you and that and that's a that's a hard thing and let's talk about calling real quick and, yeah. and, and passion so if if you were gonna say what you were really passionate about starting your church you're you're experiencing that calling mm-hmm. with God as, as you're transitioning from mm-hmm. a, an evangelist a singing ministry into this church mm-hmm. what was your biggest passion what's maybe one or two things that were just on your heart that God said I, I want you to do this mm-hmm.
0: I think uh, for me, what has been the motivating, um, you know, purpose for my life has is to just to bring value to people.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: so that doesn't always mean preaching the gospel to them right away or getting them saved, but just accepting people where they're at, valuing them enough to uh, strike up a conversation to befriend them, uh, to just, you know, and I, I, I'm i a real, like I said, a re- relational guy. One of my favorite things to do is just go to the local coffee shop in town and uh, and sit, and I'm very quick to engage people. If I see somebody who looks down um, or I see somebody, somebody who has a common interest, maybe they got a, a sports team on their yeah. hat or, you know, I'll just engage them and little by little um just somehow is my goal when i am with somebody is to try to bring value to them just a, an encouraging word um you know, and of course, being a pastor, I'm always quick to somehow find a transition into spiritual oh, totally. things. And since we were starting a new church, it was always easy to do that because I'd just say, "Hey, listen, our do you do you you know do you attend church anywhere? I'm am a pastor, new pastor in town. We started a church, you know. So just kind of you know, sometimes I was really blunt and bold. Other times, yeah. it's kind of you know.
1: You think it's hard? Uh, I think people struggle with that. Of. Uh, you know a a pastor going up and just talking or or just a church person in general church leader um they don't have to be a pastor but uh you know they they might desire that or have some type of rock star pastor in their mind Mm -hmm. that they can do that type of stuff just go up and strike a conversation does that come naturally to you or is that something you value so much that you just get out of your comfort zone and do it
0: i think i've i think i've always been kind of that way um but i think more so because i know the importance of trying to help people
1: you know yeah, that find drives. hope and
0: you know find christ so it makes it that much easier um, you know i'm just more motivated that way
1: i think that's a great motivation too because uh, today i think people really struggle with if if we're too preachy at first mm-hmm. which sounds horrible you want to say hey i want i want to get people to meet jesus i want their lives transformed but a lot of times they don't have that church background, or they don't have that understanding where you say, "Hey, you love the Cubs," mm-hmm. or "Hey, you love this or yeah. that," or whatever. We're, we're out in Pennsylvania. You love the Steelers, yeah. you know, yeah. and uh, they they are gonna trust you before they trust your message. Mm-hmm. Where in the past I think you could say, "Hey, I'm a pastor," and they just kind of right. trust you. And that's not today. Have you have you experienced I've seen that, that at all? Probably
0: in the last couple decades, a, a shift from. Uh, a minister having a lot a lot of credibility just because of the title uh, and uh, maybe an, an ear or open heart yeah. because of just the, the virtue of that title. But I don't think it's, it's uh, I think there's a lot more people that are maybe guarded, more guarded because, you know, maybe of their past experience in a church or the fact that the church is really becoming irrelevant in our culture. And so there's not that credibility, uh, maybe that there used to be 20, 30 years ago. Um, I think we're seeing it in the marketplace, um, where in even obviously in the political arena, where you know if you're associated with Christianity, um, you don't have the you don't have the pull, you don't have the platform uh, anymore. In yeah, fact, you kind of look down on it, you know, like that you're ignorant or intolerant. And so I think it's getting harder that's where we can't rely on, on that necessarily as much as maybe we, we could, I I, I just, so again, I think for me, it's, you know, just bringing value to people when I'm talking with somebody, I'm not, I, I try not to be in a hurry, try to really focus in on them as a person and just connect in some way. Until the next time I see them. I mean, yeah. Being in a small town, yeah. it's easier to do that because you see the same people generally, you know, in the you know in in the course of life. So there's and then of course one of the things I think that really helped us too in starting this church was our family. Um, you know, our kids were in elementary school and middle school, and so we we were on the sidelines at games, at the school. Yeah, and so we naturally. Uh, had conversations with other, you know, couples, families that were in the same season of life. And so, you know, conversation, would, I'd always try to get it to, hey, you know, hey, we're starting this church. Yeah. We're a church of young families. Uh, my preaching is, you know, right. W- w- kind of the things that we're dealing preaching's with. preaching's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just dynamic <laughs>
1: preaching. They don't, they don't know you're the preacher. Yeah. Right.
0: Right. What I talk I preach on family. I preach yeah. on marriage. And, you know, uh, I think that was probably one of the best things that really helped us because soon our church began to look like us, you know, our, our age, our season of life. And now that our kids are actually our last one just graduated. um, We're having to now be more intentional about, you know, being more
1: visible at this, at at the school. You have to find more ways to do that because your kids aren't your excuse to be there anymore. Exactly. And I'm sure you will. Okay. Let's, uh, when, when you started uh, that pre church planning process, Mm -hmm. you're, you're opening a rented space, put, throw pool tables in there, really mm-hmm. having a hangout environment. It's putting you in front of city uh, mm-hmm. city officials, school mm-hmm. officials, parents, all that type of stuff. I, I just think that's so important because a lot of times people want to just jump right into ministry. So let's start a church service or let's start mm-hmm. a Bible study, whether they're um, you know a, a policeman and they're just saying, I need to do this. And it and it seems like they want to jump all the way into having a worship service or doing something that is inherently spiritual and not not inherently spiritual in, inherently churchy and mm-hmm. what I what I saw you doing or hearing you doing is is you're really prepping that ground you're getting the soil ready so when you mm-hmm. plant that seed you already have people that are gonna listen to you mmm Cause I hear a lot, you know, a church plant, Hey, there's seven people at the church service, you know, five are in my family, you yeah. know, that type of yeah. thing. And it, and that launch, uh, getting that core group together can be very mm-hmm. difficult. And I yeah. think that now, now, did you keep doing that when you had the church? Did you keep that, um, Oh yeah. We, going, we
0: kept that for, um, I think about, mm, we're, we're starting our 10th year coming up. We're in our 10th year. Um, so I think uh, for, probably the for seven of those years, we ran the student center.
1: That's pretty crazy. It's been 10 years because uh, when yeah. I met Kristen, that's when 2006 is when uh, we graduated high school. And it's oh. kind of crazy because pretty much since I've known you, uh, you were just starting the church and now it's already been 10 years. So Isn't that something? Uh, time's well, flying, man. It sure and, is. <laughs> yeah. We just had our 10-year high school reunion oh. uh, coming up and I'm going, I'm so old. and yeah, No, it's yeah. not, but... I'm actually looking at uh, different ways I can be involved with that to just reconnect with high school friends and, and people in my life mm-hmm. where I'm going I need to be more intentional about being in the community and doing that. Mm-hmm. We're right on the same page, man. yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Right. so, so you, you launch a church um, and, and some of your key themes are are what 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 are you're, you're preaching on family you're preaching on? Relationships. What what really was was uh, was God laying on your heart after you started the church? What were you seeing in people's lives?
0: Well, we uh, um, we kept our community focus in um, not just thinking that people are going to show up, but we were aggressive in going after people uh, by just uh, making you know our name, but the Lord's name, but yeah. making our name known in the community uh so we we did what we called living at sundays which we'd take a sunday off and we would um set up projects in the community we'd pick up garbage we'd uh, wash windows of the businesses we yeah. uh, went to people's houses that that needed you know maybe maybe some uh, elderly people or single moms you know they needed work and so we'd we'd uh, we you know we we phrased it this way you know living at sunday um we're not going to hear a sermon today we're going to live a sermon that's awesome so, uh, you know i know more churches have done that now but you know 10 years ago it was pretty unique for a church to you know hey forget about the offering you know forget about doing church as, as normal you know instead of hearing a sermon we're going to go we're going to go live one today. And I think it, we did that many, many years now that we've gotten larger, it's uh more of a challenge to mobilize that many people on a Sunday. So, yes. so we're having to revisit how retool that, but that was, um, that was a great way for us to, um, you know, get outside our four walls. Uh, there, we, um, there was uh, every year, there's a number of community events since we're a, again a rural small town uh the uh everything shuts down for certain events yeah you know everybody's at that event on friday nights the whole town's walking to the football field you know and so we were i was you know we were always present there at the football games we uh had this big farmers fair parade where uh you know 30,000 people come to our community so we were represented in the the float we did a worship float so we're Blasting, you know, worship music going down the streets, and you know our our float has won like seven out of the nine years that we were part of. That's it, awesome. You know? That's so, but we actually seem to pick up a couple different families every year just from that event. Um, so again, it's just uh, some visibility. Uh, we did uh, some outdoor. We did an outdoor revival service at the local drive-in, and we had an evangelist that uh, we brought in, and and man, he's a great preacher. And we actually, uh, Jonathan Shuttlesworth is his name. Cool. And we had uh, just revival broke out. We had 23 services in 21 days. Wow. So for 21 days in a row, we had church.
1: You are wore out after that. Well, that yeah. Was awesome. But
0: the thing was, is, you know, nobody does that So when anymore. you said
1: revival broke out, what do you mean by that?
0: I mean that there was such a hunger for people to come back. Every night, like you're
1: not having to force people to come to this. They're wanting to come no, to it. No, no, we we
0: were packed every a night. day.
1: Where average church attendance might be once or twice a month for oh people, yeah people, and we're we're struggling of creative ways to get people. Yeah, and you're having people come 21 days straight. Oh yeah, yeah, It's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, and I mean, we had hundreds of people saved. Not all of them stayed in our church. Yeah, a lot of visitors come in for yeah. that, that those kind of meetings too. But, um. It was just really a big jump start for our church. And then we had, we usually do several, uh, and I know it's kind of an antiquated term, revival meetings, mm-hmm. but uh, we're central Pennsylvania. And yeah. so there, it's a real traditional, somewhat conservative area. So I don't think that scared too many people mm-hmm. away. Um, and so, you know, but we have several revivals every year. And, um, you know, it's great strengthening of our our church and we always have an increase of people getting saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit healed you know so I mean you preach the gospel and it yes we need to be creative but it's really the the message the gospel message done in a uh, inspirational creative way It, it it does the work itself you know
1: that's awesome. So, so you, you guys were traveling musicians, you know, you yeah. get, you get paid to go to churches and preach and, and mm-hmm. sing and you and you guys are great. You actually, you, you sang at my weddings, which was, yeah. was awesome. And, uh, Everybody that sang at our wedding was like amazing. It was like we had all these musicians there So our standards is really high. So you made the cut for that. Yeah, and, and uh, thank you And, and yeah, it, was, it just you knocked it out of the park how, how has music been a part of your church had is it a big part of your church in spiritual growth and people experiencing God? Oh, yeah, since that's your your background how, how can people well, use music to influence yeah, that? Yeah, I
0: thought we'd sing more because we had a life of singing. And then you thought you would sing yeah, more? Yeah, I thought we would, you know. But. Um, you you know, don't like
1: in the middle of your sermon just start start singing and breaking the song?
0: There's once in a while throwing a song, but it's been a while. But now, my wife, on the other hand, um, she's just very talented and just has a great heart of worship. She actually has been the worship leader since day one. Until recently, she just transitioned out of that. We hired a full time worship uh, pastor. But yeah, so for, you know, nine years, she was, she led worship and wow. she led with a passion. Um, it's just very much a part of her heart. And uh, so that was a big part, um, you know, of our church is just, and, and that would gave her weekly visibility and she was able to share her heart. So people really, I believe people that come to celebration, it doesn't take them long to really hear the heart Of their pastor and you know his wife Um, just because we you know we're we're up there we're out there we're you know we're sharing we're talking
1: so how how do you make uh, the church obviously I know your heart is you want to build it on the foundation of Christ Mm -hmm. and the gospel how do you how do you protect yourself from making it too much about Mike and Connie or do you I think uh,
0: just I know that's kind church of hurts life funny. in it itself the things you deal with uh, it, well, I'll speak in the eye. It, it's humbled me enough to know that mm. I am not people's savior And I had I've kind of had to learn a hard lesson. I, I would say in the last three years uh, I was starting to feel just some burnout and I mm. think uh, part of it was when you plan a church, you pour your life and soul into it. it takes a lot of energy and effort to get it going and to keep it going. And I think um, we reached a, a season where, you know, after you start working with people, there's a lot of hope at first, but then uh, people go through struggles and the honeymoon is over. And, yeah. and then all of a sudden, you know, the marriages that you spent um, hours, weeks, uh, counseling, they fall apart. And you start to take that personally and think, well, you know, wow! I, I gave him my best, yeah. and that wasn't good enough. And so it came to the point where um, maybe, maybe I was feeling we were feeling um, like, uh, you know, we we have given our all, and it's still not enough. And we had to really come to that humbling experience where it's it's not about Mike and Connie, even though all along the way we've been careful to try to give the glory to the Lord, Yeah, definitely. it's still, you know, you still take on the responsibility and maybe too much. And so we've had to, we've had to back off a little bit. We've actually, um, then we've brought in more people as far as our staff and our team oh, that great. are more capable in the areas that, that we aren't you know when you're planning a church you pretty much have to do it all you you know yeah you're like an entrepreneur you yeah. having to do yeah the bookkeeping the book- the, the preaching sure the you love the, book- the pastoral counseling part, right? and all that. and, and yeah. i you know and again you know i've discovered how administratively incapable yeah <laughs> uh, you know so you know now we're able to you know Put people on staff that are gifted in those areas, and I'm able to focus on you know what I'm supposed to focus on—that's prayer, study of God's word, and teaching His word. That's awesome. And so uh, we have we have a good team. We've continued to grow our team, and um, but I think um, I think it can be a it, you know ministry is so challenging that it's uh, I don't see how somebody. Well, no, I guess it happens, but (laughs) we've been humbled to know just how incapable we are without the work of Christ, without, you know, Jesus himself said, without me, you can do nothing apart from me, you can do nothing. And, you know, we've, we've in planning a church, you know, the, the model is, Hey, just have a great band, have some Starbucks and, you know, get, get some, a good vibe going and, and you'll have success and, and maybe you can get people in the building, but, um, You know, the whole discipleship process is, I think, where the the Sunday event, that's the easy part. Mm -hmm. That's the easy part. That's the fun part. It's like, yeah, let's do it big Sunday morning or whatever that, you know, weekly event, whatever day it's on. And that's fun, you know, but it's the in-between. It's the pastoring part of it that um, really is the challenging part, I think.
1: Oh, yeah. And it can weigh on you. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. And uh and totally suck everything out of you if you're not getting replenished. And are, uh, what, how would you ref, how do you refuel your batteries? You said three years ago you were, you know, experiencing burnout or at mm-hmm. least going that direction. Mm-hmm. What'd you do to change course of direction? Uh,
0: or, well, the main thing was uh, began to make some hires. Uh, we hired a full time business administrator, oh, great. which took all that off my plate. Uh, since then we've, we've hired a, uh, uh, pastoral counselor. So that's taken a lot of that off my plate. And so I was able to, uh, you know, cause I had a number of colleagues say, Hey, you need to take a sabbatical, which, you know, we really did need to do that. Um, but one, uh, particular pastor friend, um, said what, what he did. He's, he said, what you don't want to do is you don't, you don't want to get to burnout because once you get to burnout, uh, you fry, you're fried physically yeah emotionally a lot of your relationships probably have suffered your marriage and family there's probably been some you know damage there uh, so you don't want to get to burnout I don't feel like I was at burnout but I could feel myself on that slippery slope so he said what what he did was he didn't take a big long sabbatical for several months um, you know because oftentimes what happens is you lose so much momentum in the church that mm-hmm. when you come back, from your three months, it's just like so much more work yeah. to re- rebuild that. So what he did was he took a gradual, he just he just paired his schedule back to where he'd maybe only be in the office two days a week. He'd still preach on most Sundays, sometimes give give those away too. But so it was a, a gradual way to replenish. And so I, I thought, you know, there's wisdom in that. Um, and so I began to do that. And uh, I told, you know, I, I was very upfront and honest with the board, with our pastoral team, to say, listen, I, I need to pull back here a little bit. Um, so you may only see me in the office one or two days a week. Um, and uh, I, I don't know how long for this season I need to do that. But I felt like it, it was probably a complete year of doing that. Wow. To where, uh, you know, now I really feel like my batteries are recharged. And it's interesting because when I was really in the maybe the lowest part during that season, um, one of my things that I love to do is mow, mow the grass. You know, we have a nice yard, and I'd get out there and mow the grass, and that was always a delightful thing. But boy, it became like every time I'd get on my John Deere tractor, mm-hmm. I'd be like so negative about church. This situation, I'd just be mulling over mm. my mind, having the, having these conversations, yeah, you know, yeah. to myself about this person and that person, and everything related to ministry seemed like an obligation. And so, uh, uh, you know, that was kind of a began to be a red flag for me. So, after you know, I started noticing some things. I uh, took this break and just this gradual sabbatical. It was about uh, probably, well, late last summer when I was mowing the grass. Um, All of a sudden, um, it was like I had replenished enough to where I began to dream again. Hmm. And so my mowing the grass time where it was always just I'd be full of ideas and it came back to me. And so I knew that I was on that path to recovery because I was beginning to dream again. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, and since then, um, God has birthed some great vision for the future. Uh, I just feel like um, we're on the verge of something, you know, great again.
1: That's awesome. Anything you want to share on that? Something God's really just like, this is a great idea or something? Yeah. You haven't done it yet, maybe. No, we're in the the, the crafting of this new
0: vision. Yeah. And it's really to build a church that never sleeps. Wow. A church that's open 24 7. Wow. Because crisis ha- doesn't happen nine to five. You know, it happens in the wee hours of the morning. And so, to be a church that when somebody's strung out or somebody just, you know, had a fight with their spouse, instead of having to call a social organization, they can call the church. Wow. And somebody's awesome. going to be there to pray with them, talk with them. That's a I don't know issue. how we're going to do it. <laughs> I mean, 24 7, think about it. You know, somebody needs food, somebody needs clothing. Um, so i'm assuming they it's go not
1: going to be your your phone just ringing all the time you're going to try to delegate that out it's all hands on deck man so that it's sounds gonna, like burnout pretty fast i know so. i
0: know i've thought about that but that's where it's going to have to you know the whole church is going to have to be mobilized yeah. and embrace this wow. vision but you know i think it's i think that's the one way and i won't speak for other churches in other communities but i really believe that's where the church can become relevant again because again you know the major crises in life don't happen when the church doors are open it's after they close yeah. and if you try to call the church and get scheduled for one of the pastors you might you might not it might have to wait a few days maybe yeah. a week or two and so we're we're actually training uh, our goal is to train 50 lay counselors that are ready that uh, can meet the demands and wow. needs and we're on our way we probably you know we got about a dozen that have been trained. We got another group that's wow. being trained, and so we're we uh, we're, we're getting close future, to launch we can maybe that. Maybe interview yeah. in a couple of years yeah. and see how that's going because yeah. that's
1: that's amazing. That's a huge vision, and yeah, I think it's cool that you have a passion for for a smaller community. And I and I think a lot of like larger cities or or mm-hmm. you know uh, really large cities are just made up of small communities, and these same type of principles apply. Whether you know whether you're in Chicago or New mm-hmm. York or wherever, it yeah. people have the same kind of places they're going, where they're going to school, where they're going yeah. to, to Walmart, where they're where they're going to work, and uh, it's really cool. You have a heart for smaller communities. Yeah. I think a lot of people, it's cool to go to a big city. I yeah. was like that when I was yeah. I was getting out. Oh, I want to go to the big city, or I want to yeah. go do this. It's 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 neat. That guy called you to a place like Dillsburg, Pennsylvania. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, let's talk about your church name. Okay. Church name is uh, so, probably so difficult to, to come up with. I'm sure you had, you know, whiteboard filled with tons of <laughs> names, or, or uh, maybe not, but, you know, c- celebration community church, not a celebration assembly of God, but you chose community yeah. mm-hmm. church. You chose celebration. Mm hmm. Is it CCC? Is that CQ? yeah? We played around. So I hear the celebration. You know, you know but uh, why why that name? What well, what it really
0: um, Luke fifteen, the story of the prodigal son. Yeah, when the father's son returned home, you know, he threw a party. Oh, that's awesome! And so that's and it, it was a celebration. So we've always we've always liked that name, and uh, so we want Sunday mornings to, to be a celebration. You know, of, of lost sinners coming home, lost that's sons, cool. daughters. So we've, we've, you know, that's been part of it. I I think, you know, through the years, there's maybe some other names I like better than that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's. Uh, Why community church,
1: know. though? Why'd you name it community church instead of somebody of God or church or celebration church? You well, know, coming from cool. a
0: Catholic background, when I heard assembly of God, it, it was just kind of freaky to me. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. Assembly, with the gathering of the... You know, year. I didn't really. It, didn't make sense to me. And, yeah. uh, I mean, I, then, of course, I became a part of this elder's God and, uh, the credential of this elder's God. I'm sure yeah, they won't know, listen yeah. to this at all. So. so, I mean, I've come to love it and I, I love being a part of this fellowship. There's no doubt about that. I wouldn't want to be independent on my own. Uh, just, I feel like there's such a cohort of, of, uh, you know, just a network. Yeah. It's been very valuable. But, um, I think just the idea of community, um, you know, it, it it opened the door to more possibilities for people to be a part of it. Yep. And and we found that to be true. Uh, we didn't hide being Assemblies of God. It was on our website yeah. and different. But we had a lot of people coming in not knowing for months, you know, yeah. that we were in Assemblies of God. Other than the fact that we've always, you know, we've never been shy of the work of the Holy Spirit or mm-hmm. talking about it, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, that's, you know, we were a revival kind of church. So we're into that. But um, I think it just in, in being in central Pennsylvania, there's a lot of, uh, you know, mainline denominational churches. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we've been a melting pot of a lot of those churches, people that were, you know, their church became somewhat just older and m- less relevant. Yeah. They saw a young, thriving, growing word on the street about celebration has, has always been very good. So, you know, it just,
1: I, I don't know, created a, a easier way for people to yeah. come in and check it out. Seems like yeah. you chose community because everything I hear uh, that mm-hmm. you get excited about is is reaching your community. And, and yeah. that's one reason I named the podcast Renewing Our City is really that mm-hmm. concept of, the gospel renews local churches. That renewal, I, I love mm-hmm. your vision for twenty four hour church. Never yeah. heard of that. Actually, so yeah. that's really cool. But also, you know, I got that, the domain that, name. So do you? yeah, <laughs> you better. Ha- that's your first. If you pick a name, you get the domain, the .dot com. Not yeah. and and uh, taking an ownership uh, a in a your lot community. of churches do that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and and we want more churches to do that. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm doing this podcast. I'm yeah. interviewing you because I. Every time we talk, you're talking about getting out in the community yeah. serving your your desire to uh, help hurting people. Mm-hmm. And the gospel does that, but also we, we put in some time where we don't necessarily have to have social governmental programs doing that. You're saying, hey, why don't I be the guy? Or my church can mm-hmm. be the church where people call the hospital for the hurting. And yeah. I think that's really neat.
0: Yeah, and really uh, staying, uh, refocusing on that is important mm-hmm. because... Uh, now we're in our 10th year, and, you know, we run about five or 600 on a Sunday, and uh, it's pretty big for our size community. With, and, with and, children? or Yeah. Mm-hmm. With children. That's and awesome. So we uh, uh, could easily just get comfortable and yeah. stop doing what we had been doing before. So we have to continue to refocus on getting out in the community and being involved in, in the community. So um yeah that's a constant that's amazing uh, you just,
1: i I love your passion Mike you have so i i I didn't know we were gonna go there with the uh, you know restoring that that passion mm-hmm. inside you but I think that's so so important for me to hear. And, yeah. uh, I want to do, a, I want to end, uh, not end right now, but yeah. w- this might take a while, but some rapid fire questions. Cause okay. these are things, uh, we're going to be starting out and you're actually the first person I've done this with. So oh, yeah, all, yeah. all other right. answers are going to be, uh, geared after your awesome answers. Oh, boy. So, okay. Uh, Pressure. Okay. The first one, uh, these, these can be rapid fire for me, but you can answer them as long as you need. Okay. But, uh, I want to talk first is who, who is a mentor you've had and what is the most important thing they've taught to you? So, you might have had a lot of mentors, but who's somebody that you would say, this is somebody that's a mentor to me? Uh,
0: I would think my, my father-in-law, who was on episode six. Yeah, Dave is <laughs> I think, yeah, I think he's in my head all the time. Um, we traveled on the road for 13 years together. I got to see him almost every night of the week in in ministry uh, and how he uh would um, present the gospel and how he'd minister to people, how he would speak. and uh, there's probably not a week that goes by when I'm in my sermon preparation that some somewhere along in that preparation I ask that question i wonder what I wonder what Dave would do wonder, W what, W D D. yeah, DD. yeah. <laughs> what would Dave do? you know what what would how would he say this? How would he you know he just was uh, very um he, he, he was able to be dramatic at certain points. Mm-hmm. He had some great speaking skills, and I, I know I needed that. And so he's, he's one, uh, another gentleman, um, that uh, same thing. He's, I, I kind of look to him, um, and we don't get together uh, as much as we used to, but he would be somebody who anytime you're with, you, you just were inspired. He had a way to not just do all the talking, but to ask the right question and then, you know, just be very inspirational. So, um, you know, I see him, you know, every couple of years now. Um, on a personal level, I have another ministry colleague that he's an evangelist. And he uh, he calls me every now and then and he'll ask me the questions about, you know, are you keeping your thought life pure and are mm. you walking in purity? Yeah. Um, you know, just kind of some of those issues and, you know, uh, he's been a good, real good friend. Um, just ask the right questions, you know, and I really can't hide. Well, I can hide, you know, yeah. but I have to choose not to. And he's one guy that I feel comfortable choosing not to, you know, if there are issues there I got to deal with. So
1: that's awesome. Um, you got, you, got yeah. you know, multiple people and, and uh, I've somebody had a, to inspire you. That's, that's right, big. Right
0: now, I'm working with a uh, coach personal coach Um, he's helping me uh, actually helping me to put together the strategy for the church never sleeps Wow! and uh, his input is just extremely valuable Um, so that having a personal coach uh, I've been I've taken a lot of coaching classes myself so there's a uh, a lot of men and women that we have peer coaching so we kind of coach each other that's been very helpful. Wow. So coaching, I'm really big at that. A coaching. certain
1: organization or group or just well,
0: uh, no, not necessarily. Uh, it's part of our Summits of God district. Okay. They uh, have actually the national. There's a national coaching um, group in our mm-hmm. in the Summit of God, and I'm part of that. A credentialed coach, and um, but all the training along the way has just you know created yeah. relationships to where we can coach each other, but. It's it's so much better than counseling. It's called the coach approach versus counseling. That's cool. You know, and it's just, it's a whole different process. Counseling, it's more, you know, the coaching, I, I, it's just, you're asking the question and, and letting them take ownership mm-hmm. of the solutions for their life. So you're just coaching them to those solutions. And so, you know counseling man I'd, I'd walk out of there and I'd just feel like I'm carrying the burden and uh, <laughs> that's wrong of course but yeah. coaching just really put the on, onus on them to find their you know their solutions and to, you know work them out so
1: yeah I think coaches mentors this mm-hmm. so, so many people can can point to um you know success in their life and in their relationship with Christ to certain people that taught them certain mm-hmm. things and that's just so awesome! It sounds like you get a bunch, and I'm yeah. the same way. I, I uh, it's not one mentor; it's a bunch of mentors, different mm-hmm. people that have taught yeah. me. This guy has helped me with fitness, and this guy has helped me with, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, theology and deeper things. And and mm-hmm. sometimes coaches can't or or mentors, you know, might be somebody I listen to podcasts all the time, or I listen to their sermons, mm-hmm. and I'm going, I never even met this guy, but yeah. he's spoken into my life so much. All right, since we're rapid fire, I got I got to do okay. this next one. Okay, <laughs> uh, what book have you gifted most or re- mo- recommended most? It's called The Divine Mentor. The Divine Mentor by Wade Wayne
0: uh, Cordero. He's a uh, pastor in uh, Hawaii. He uh, has planted over 100 church in the wow. Pacific Rim. Um, it's called uh, Hope Chapel. And uh, he's written several books, and uh, that has been just one of the most important books. And so I, I give that out quite a bit. I usually keep a couple on my bookshelf. That's awesome. And he introduces a Bible study um, plan that I've used since, uh, for several years now, okay. where it's called the Life Journal. And where it's, uh, I journal every day, um, portions of Scripture you know what God is saying to me through that, and you use the acronym SOAP: Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And so every day I'm, I use that, and that's been actually a, a real big part of the restoration that I've replenishing that I've needed. Um, and it's just a, it's just a great um, a great uh, devotional plan. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes yeah. for all those listening. Uh, you can um, uh, go to the episode. Number eleven, and uh, you can uh, get the show notes mm-hmm. uh, with the link uh, for that book. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, um, it, what what? This is kind of a everybody does this one, but what advice would you give to your twenty year old self, or or in a crucial time in your life? What what advice if you could go back and say, "Hey, do this, change this"? Oh, mm-hmm. What would you tell yourself? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say. I would
0: say um, learn to be vulnerable and find find some people that you can really be honest with about your your life, your personal life. I think I discovered that um, you know when I was in my thirties, had some issues in my life that. I hadn't addressed and, um, and through the process of having the courage to be vulnerable and to be honest, um, it really changed, changed my, um, personal life, my ministry life, my marriage, my family. Mm. And, uh, um, we, uh, my wife and I attended a, um, a weekend seminar that was really a weekend where first three and a half days you stop and you look in the mirror and it was guided with some facilitators that knew what they were doing and that weekend alone other than my salvation and other than (laughs) the day I got married and other than the day our kids were born that that was the weekend that made all the difference for us where we finally stopped long enough to take a look at ourselves and to address some of the issues in our lives and uh, we found out that the more vulnerable you are the more authentic you are, it actually invites more people in. And um, oh, totally, yeah. So awesome. that was a huge turning point in our life. So I guess I would say, um, surround yourself with people that you can be real with and you can grow with. Um, don't isolate yourself. Um, yeah, that's what I'd say.
1: All right. Who's your favorite Bible character? And you and you can say Jesus, but then you got to yeah. do another one.
0: Yeah, um,
1: and you, and if if it's super I, Old Testament and cool, you have to explain the story. So. No,
0: I think it's it's got to be Paul. Okay, Paul. Uh, yeah, I just awesome. been just gobbling up a lot of. You can't go wrong with that. Paul, you know. Yeah, I know, I know. He's, He's awesome. written so much. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome.
1: So. Okay, um, last question, and uh, you just have been so awesome. This has been great, and I know so many people are going to get value, but um, everybody has embarrassing moments. So, what was your most embarrassing moment? <laughs> in the ministry oh man
0: <laughs> oh thanks a lot man Oh, uh, most embarrassing moment
1: um i'm sure there's a ton going through yeah, your head I, right I, now and you're I, like, which one's hard, appropriate to show? i'm having a hard
0: time pulling pulling that up i you know i mean embarrassing funny embarrassing humiliating
1: <laughs> uh Humiliating is always good, but <laughs> yeah, funny is always easy to do. You know, zipper down when you're singing. Or... Yeah.
0: Oh man, I, I I'm at a loss, Matt. I, I'm right. Sorry, I'm sorry. That's all man. right.
1: Well, uh, if you ever think of one, we'll have to we'll have to uh, next time you're done. tweet you yeah. or something. But uh, how about this? Um, why don't you tell people how they can get a hold of you if if you want to do that uh, and and church website some of that contact sure. info if somebody wanted to reach out and they said. Hey Mike, you're resonating with me. Maybe even some of this vision that you're sure. putting out. How would they get a hold of you?
0: Um, MyCelebrationChurch.com is our website, and uh, if you want to email me, it's Pastor Mike Hammer at Gmail. And so I'm on Facebook, um, you know, Twitter. You can find me that way
1: too. I'll, I'll put some links in the show yeah. notes, and uh, yeah. I'm sure they they can go to your website, see some of your sermons, uh, check out this.
0: And, and what we do that uh, open this up to anybody, especially if you're a minister out there, we do the, the weekend that Connie and I experienced back in 1998. That just revolutionized our lives. We do that four times a year. And Connie and I, oh, I run wow. the whole weekend now. And uh, so we, have, we do it four times a year. We have 15 to 20 every class. And uh, our probably half of our church has been through that weekend. So we're really learning to build an authentic culture people who, you know, have found their security in Christ and are able to be real with people. So, uh, I that's open to anybody. It's 25 bucks. That's I mean, awesome. we we used to charge a lot of money to go through that weekend, but now we don't depend on the income, so uh, we just cover the food and everything, but you could you'd be welcome to be a part of that weekend just, you know, f- get, it's on our website when we have those, but you know, it doesn't matter if you feel like you're you know, your marriage is in a good place or bad place, it's, you'll grow, uh, and you don't have to be married. You can be a single adult, single adult. If you've got a student, a teenager that is really, uh, you know, making some bad decisions, it's a great weekend for them too. So
1: that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Pastor hammer. All right. Bringing the hammer down. We just, I I, I really appreciate you, uh, (laughs) Mike coming on the show and, and, um, adding value to our audience. You did a great job. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Mike, for being on the show. Please remember to pray for celebration and other churches in small towns. Those pastors and churches can feel your prayers and they need it. Hey, you can find more about what Mike's up to and his church at mycelebrationchurch.com. If you want to look up any of the topics mentioned throughout the episode, you can go to renewingourcity.com as well. Like always, if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Pastor Matt Shaw, or the show at Renewing Our City. If you got any questions you want to email me, send it to matt at renewingourcity.com. Well, I pray this podcast will inspire you to share Jesus and serve others in your known neighborhood and around the world. Thanks for being a part of Renewing Our City.
0: Thanks for listening to the Renewing Our City podcast. For more info about the show, check out renewingourcity.com. And follow the show on Twitter at Renewing Our City and Facebook.com slash Renewing Our City. If you like the show, please rate and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And while you're there, hit subscribe so you don't have to miss a single episode in the future. We want to give a special thanks to John Snay Productions for producing the show. Now get out there and share Jesus and serve others in your own neighborhood and around the world.